Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to First National's second quarter analyst call. This call is being recorded on Wednesday, July 28, 2021. At this time, all callers are in listen-only mode. Later, we'll conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time on how to queue up. Now, it's my pleasure to turn the call over to Stephen Smith, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of First National. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our call and thank you for participating. Also on the line with me are Rob Ingalls, Chief Financial Officer, who will provide quarterly performance highlights, and Jason Ellis, our President and Chief Operating Officer, will discuss our outlook. Since the MDNA provides full details, our prepared remarks will be brief. Before we begin, I will remind you that our remarks and answers may contain forward-looking information about future events or the company's future performance. This information is subject to risk and uncertainties and should be considered in conjunction with the risk factors detailed in our MDNA. First National results in Q2 were very positive and reflected a strong and resilient housing market. Mortgages under administration, the source of most of our earnings, increased 6% over last year to $121.5 billion. This is the 60th consecutive quarter of MUA growth since we went public in 2006, which is a testament to our vision 15 years ago and reflects the effectiveness of our business model. Looking at some of the factors that drove performance this quarter, origination was up significantly in both segments of the business. Single-family originations increased 71% to $7.6 billion. Not only was this a new quarterly record, it was ahead of the previous record by more than $1.5 billion. We continue to benefit from a strong share of the mortgage broker distribution channel, which is our exclusive source for single-family production. Technology-enabled service through Merlin continues to be a differentiator. Not only is Merlin a long-time driver of our broker partnerships, It has been the foundation of our strong results during the pandemic. While prime mortgages are a core offering to single family, we continue to build our all-day presence with the Rich Nations for our Excalibur program. Growth in the BC market now complements our activities in Ontario, where the majority of production takes place. For our commercial business, Q2 originations increased 25% to almost $2.7 billion. Including renewals, commercial segment business was up 34% over the 2020 quarter. This growth reflects a strong property market, particularly money multi-unit apartments, and renewed demand for conventional loans that augmented our overall growth. As you may recall, commercial originations were lower in Q1 than the prior year, which was partly a function of timing and partly the fact that Q1 last year was unusually strong. Both business segments, these based here, a 
effects may continue to skew results over the course of the next two quarters. What's important is the longer-term trend line, which is positive. Another driver of performance was First National's third-party underwriting fulfillment processing business. Our bank customers had great success in the marketplace, and First National contributed by adjudicating mortgages originated through the broker channel in accordance with our customers' underwriting policy. This business leverages our technology and adds another revenue source. Rob will talk about other influences on performance, including changes in capital market conditions. On all sides of the business, the people of First National were very busy. I want to take this opportunity to publicly thank them for their diligent efforts in addressing record production. For shareholders, the key takeaway is that earnings were steady as we benefited from higher origination and wider mortgage spreads. Earnings, in turn, supported the board's decision taken in May and effective in June to increase the regular monthly dividend to an annualized rate of $2.35 per share. This is the 14th increase in shareholder payouts since First National's IPO in 2006 and cements the company's reputation as a high-yielding, dividend-paying company. Over the quarter, the common share payout was 66%, or 65% if we exclude gains and losses on financial we consider this a healthy and sustainable level. Overall, we're very pleased with first national results to date. Like you, we follow Bank of Canada announcements closely and take comfort from their economic projections for 2022. While the pandemic isn't behind us yet, it would appear that a return to a more predictable, healthy economy lies just ahead. With that, I'll return the call over to Rob. Thanks, Stephen, and uh, good morning, everyone. Stephen mentioned some of the key drivers of performance, including MUA, up 6% year-over-year, and 6% on an annualized basis in the quarter itself. Revenue also grew at the same rate, although the, the increase was affected by changes in fair market value of financial instruments. These changes are driven by interest rate movements. If we exclude that effect, revenue was 4% higher than last year, still a good showing. The biggest driver of revenue growth was the 82% or $17.3 million increase in net interest from securitized mortgages. There are a number of moving parts in this number. One is from a comparison to Q2 2020, which was a period of financial turmoil. Last year, the Bank of Canada cut overnight rates by 1.5%, and First National followed suit by cutting our prime mortgage rate. However, the reduction in interest rates in our funding sources, namely NHA MBS and asset-backed commercial paper conduits, was slower to take effect. This reduced securitization margin last year by $6 million. In 2021, spreads on floating rate mortgages have been pretty normal. The decrease in interest rates also significantly increased the cost of indemnities payable to NBS debt holders last year as our single-family borrowers ex increased mortgage prepayment to take advantage of the lower rate opportunities. Repayment still influences revenue, but not to the same degree. We estimate a more stable interest rate environment saves the company about $8.1 in such indemnities. 
Of course, the 6% growth of mortgages pledged under securitization had a positive impact. We shifted our funding strategy to allocate more origination volume to securitization, which is economically more favorable for long-term results, even though it does delay the recognition of earnings to future periods under current IFRS. More servicing income was another strong contributor for the company this quarter, and it's driven by growth in our third-party business that Stephen mentioned. Placement fees were consistent year-over-year, despite lower revenue per, per unit. Increased residential origination volumes sold to third parties were offset by a shift in allocation to First National's own securitization programs for the commercial segment. Expenses in the quarter were generally higher, reflecting growth and capacity expansions. Brokerage expenses increased by 71% or $25 million year-over-year, largely due to a 78% increase in single-family originations for institutional investors. Commercial segment broker fees and portfolio insurance costs, which are included here, were lower than in 2020. Wage costs increased 26% on 40% growth in uh, full-time employees to keep pace with the record volumes of unwritten mortgages and the higher MUA. Interest expense, much like investment income, decreased 10% due to the decline in short-term lending rates. Uh, as a footnote, during the quarter, we extended the term of our syndicated bank facility by two years and increased the commitment amount by $250 million. This gives us now $1.5 billion of liquidity priced to reflect our triple B issuer credit rating. Now, over to Jason. Thanks, Rob, and good morning, everyone. The second quarter was very successful for First National, delivered by a team still largely working from home. As much as we enjoy the benefits of our business model and technology advantages, it still takes significant effort by people to make these results happen. My sincere thanks to all members of the company for your hard work and perseverance. In light of business volumes, we have added materially to our workforce, and First National now employs over 1,500 people, 40% more than a year ago. PeoplePower gives us the ability to do more for our customers and partners, but it also requires careful attention to onboarding, training, and advancement. We've had to be creative over the past year to foster our entrepreneurial culture while remote work has been the order of the day. We do see an end to the worst effects of the pandemic on the horizon, and as Stephen said, the Bank of Canada did send some positive signals about GDP next year. And as a result of the substantial amount of liquidity in the financial system, there continues to be strong mortgage demand from institutional investors. And as you saw from Q2 results, securitization markets are robust and continue to provide consistent and reliable funding for First National. From a housing market perspective, including single and multifamily residential, the reopening of the border to immigration, when it happens, should create a tailwind. However, we share the central bank's view that the housing market activity is likely to ease back from historical highs. With the strong results of the second quarter, our outlook remains positive for the remainder of 2021. In the short term, the expectation for the next quarter includes continued strength in originations and employee productivity from the company's work-from-home strategy. 
The second quarter of 2020 was the start of the economic recovery following the pandemic-related economic turmoil experienced in the first quarter of 2020. Accordingly, growth rates in the first six months of 2021 reflected a 2020 comparative period highlighted by significant economic uncertainty and financial disruption. In the remaining six months of 2021, comparisons will be made to the last two quarters of 2020 that featured an exceptionally strong housing market. From a business plan perspective, we are well positioned to execute on our objectives. Throughout the pandemic, and as we prepare for a post-pandemic world, our strategy will continue to rest on our four cornerstones. First, to provide a full range of mortgage solutions for Canadian single-family and commercial customers, a range that has increased recently with the regional expansion of Excalibur and greater institutional appetite for conventional commercial loans. Second, to grow mortgages under administration, the source of most of our earnings. Third, to employ technology to enhance our service to mortgage brokers and borrowers alike. And fourth, to lower costs and rationalize business processes while maintaining a conservative risk profile. We believe consistency of approach will provide long-term profitability and sustainable brand recognition for First National in a competitive marketplace. I'll conclude by reminding you of a fundamental advantage of being a mortgage lender with our business model, and that is the ability to continually generate income and cash flow from our $33 billion portfolio of mortgages pledged under securitization and $86 billion servicing portfolio. We will also focus, as always, on realizing the value inherent in our significant single-family renewal book. This concludes our prepared remarks. Now, we will be pleased to take your questions. Operator, will you please open the line for questions? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, your first question comes from Etienne uh, Ricard from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. Good morning, Etienne. So, so good momentum on single family originations given you know the, the strong real estate activity. Could you update us on market share gains both for um, for the broker channel and first nationals on market share uh, in the broker channel and uh, how, how would that compare relative to uh, to last year oh uh, it's Jason here uh, I don't we don't yet have full visibility on the second quarter market share within the broker channel there's usually a bit of a lag in that reporting coming to the market uh, in terms of the broker channel's share of overall new mortgage origination, uh, difficult to say. I think early on in the pandemic, we imagined that given the traditional bank channels uh, were closed or had reduced services, that perhaps there would have been some modest increase in overall market share for the broker channel. Uh, difficult to put a number on that, but it seems reasonable to expect that there may have been some transition of volume to the broker channel. Uh, 
uh, and some of that should be sticky going forward. As far as First National's own performance, uh, our market share, uh, I think, continues to put us consistently uh, in second or third position in the broker channel. And uh, I think all indications are that we should continue to expect that kind of success. Okay, great. Um, and on the commercial front, it's great to see the increased allocations from TMHC for um, affordability-linked housing. How, how meaningful are those allocations? And uh, uh, can you provide any guidance as to how the spreads on, on those new securitizations would compare to your uh, existing uh, portfolio? So uh, First National uh, has traditionally maximized its utility of CMHC securitization programs. In addition, uh, First National for a long time has been a leading lender in the CMHC-insured multifamily space. So the ability to leverage the affordable linked pooling uh, resulting in additional capacity into the 10-year uh, CMV program uh, has been a great advantage to First National, which we've taken advantage of. Generally speaking, uh, the spreads on pools containing affordable linked multifamily mortgages are comparable to those of the non-affordable linked uh, pools. However, with the advent of these new allocation rules, there has been some enhanced competition, as you can imagine, in that space. So perhaps a modest compression of spreads going forward could be expected. Okay. And uh, last question for me, um, you know, maybe a more thematic question on the housing market. I mean, how, how are you seeing the second half of 2021? I mean, mortgage rates remain low, high household savings rates. If we are in a new normal of sub 2%, sub 3% mortgage rates, do you believe mortgage credit growth could remain at uh, elevated levels relative to history? Um, you know, I think we're going to see in the second half a, a relative moderation compared to Q1, and also it'll be strong. In Q2 uh, of 2020 uh, was really quite exceptional, as was Q1 of 2021. Uh, I think some of the numbers we're getting out of sales for uh, June, and also we have some visibility in July, would indicate that. Um, mortgage sales, while strong in historical terms, have moderated a little bit relative to uh, the frenetic activity of the past 12, uh, uh, 12 months. Um, I'm a believer that I'm not a big believer in interest rates as being the determining factor. I think one has to take into account that it's an interesting number, but uh, commitment to first national in March 2020 um, were the highest for the entire year. So we had actually pent up demand independent of the interest rates. Certainly lowest interest rates uh, helped, but it was, I think, lack of supply in major markets such as uh, Vancouver and Toronto uh, tends to drive, uh, drive, um, drive sales. I think that's, that's continuing, but not quite at the same level. Great, thank you for your comments.
Your next question comes from Graham Riding from TD Securities. Graham, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, Hi, I just wanted to just want to ask you about you know, the the placement fee uh, revenue yield. Um, you know, your comment said that there was lower spreads in the market, so that had some impact, I think, in the quarter, but also um, higher commercial volumes that you chose to securitize instead of place. So, it, do you have any sort of visibility, or could you provide any color, perhaps? Just is this should we consider this a low quarter? For that placement fee yield, or is this potentially like a, a reasonable run rate when we're looking out uh, for the rest of this year and into 2022? Yeah, Graham, it's Rob. Um, a number of issues there. The biggest thing is comparing to a very unusual quarter in, in Q2 2020. So if you remember in Q1, we hedged a lot of our commitments and we uh, you know, came out on the wrong side of those hedges. So we had a huge uh, fair market value loss. Uh, on the other side of the equation, though, those commitments had a lot of value. So when they funded in Q2 2020, we sold them on a sort of whole loan basis or a, you know, a kind of a placement of funded mortgages and got the value out of, out of those mortgages in placement fees. So that was sort of an unusual situation because we kind of wrote off a huge uh, loss in Q1 and made the money back partially in, in Q2. In Q2 of this year, that didn't happen. We just had regular sort of placement fees at sort of pre-pandemic spreads and prices. And I think I wrote that was worth maybe a $19 million change um, year over year uh, in the single family. And then in commercial, we uh, have securitized a lot more because we can, and it's economically a better decision for us, but we don't get a placement fee for that stuff, right? So. Even though we have uh, the product, uh, that was worth, I think, a $10 million change in, in placement fees. So for going forward, I think maybe for commercial, it would be the same, unless CMHC changes their mind and says, you know what, we're going to you know, uh, ratchet back the uh, affordability allocation uh, scheme we've, we've done. Yeah. I guess the principal difference, uh, Graham, under the affordability uh, allocations, you can sell a lot more into the Canada mortgage bonds. So as a result, rather than selling them to third parties, getting the gain on sale, we take the income over time. So this is a case where uh, the overall economic value of the corporation is enhanced by securitizing mortgages themselves as opposed to selling them to institutional investors and getting uh, gain on sale. Yeah, so I would say, you know, the Q2 2021 placement fee per unit is more sort of consistent and that will be, you know, appropriate for going forward. You know, Q2 last year was sort of a, a, a different sort of, you know, a, you know, accounting and relied on fair market value, that kind of stuff. So we're comparing a, a very turbulent, turbulent uh, quarter to a period of, you know, back to regular sort of business. Okay. So it sounds like you're going to, as long as the allocation and the competition allows, you're going to continue to, uh, fund some of those 10-year commercial mortgages uh, via securitization going forward. It sounds like that's the plan. Yeah. And when I think about your, you know, historically around $11 billion is what you would securitize annually, when I just look at your sort of funding mix, has that number, like, has your capacity now increased with that, um, uh, what did you call it, like affordability program that, uh, has it, has that capacity on the securitization front increased materially? 
Uh, it has increased perhaps modestly as opposed to materially, but one of the additional factors is those affordably, affordable linked pools uh, do not count against the $9 billion securitization cap uh, that lenders are faced with. So it allows you to issue greater than $9 billion of NHAMBS without incurring the higher NHAMBS guarantee fees that might otherwise be attributable, attributable to the, the, the volumes above $9 billion. So it does give us a little bit of uh, extra flexibility. Got it. Okay. And my, just my last question, that the, your mortgage is under administration. It seems like the runoff rate has picked up a little bit relative to sort of historical levels. Is that, um, is that just a reflection of the low interest rate environment and there just being more people sort of looking to perhaps opportunistically refinance and more activity? Yeah, that's it exactly. Uh, we've seen that uh, prepayment speed accelerate across the industry. It should be, you know, in, in relative terms, temporary. I don't know that it's low interest rate because you you could you can refinance, but generally you pay an interest rate differential. It's more just the uh, heightened activity in the housing market with people buying and selling houses. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, should you have a question, as a reminder, please press star, followed by one. Your next question comes from James Gloin from National Bank Financial. James, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Morning, James. Yeah, my question is just on the uh, the, the broker fee expenses and, uh, and the rate there around um, uh, loyalty incentive payments. Uh, and, and I'm just curious as to like the mechanics of those payments. Are they are they paid based on uh, volume in that quarter and incurred in that quarter, or is this something that sort of accrues throughout the year and we could expect uh, to see higher brokerage fee rates uh, for the rest of this year, or is that will that move lower as volumes move lower as well? Uh, James, it's Rob here. Uh, a number of things, uh, the number of loyalty things we have. Some of it is a volume based. And typically, it's paid at the end of the year, but we accrue it, you know, monthly as we go. Some of it is, I think, an efficiency bonus, saying if you send a lot of your deals to First National as opposed to other lenders, we will give you some money for that. There's uh, also specific broker-by-broker broker, uh, loyalty. Uh, it's like a travel program that we say, you know, if you do a lot of deals with First National and you're a wizard, which means you're a good customer, you get you know, more business points for that. So I think it's, it's really normalized now. It's not like you know we're increasing those programs. I think with a little bit of consolidation in the industry, it used to be you know 80% of our brokers got those rewards. Now it's about 99% of the brokers get those rewards. Um, that's a little bit of you know timing. I think you know we accrued last year based on our best guess about volume, but of course last year volume was were 50% you know, ahead of plan, so we had to pay out a lot more than we thought for individual broker. Uh, uh, incentives, but I think you know going forward, it's sort of it's going to be uh, steady now. Okay, and so would the would the brokerage fee rate then uh, stay elevated at these uh, at these levels for the remainder of the year? Uh, is that the takeaway on on that front? I'm not sure if they're elevated. I think it's just sort of you know um, sort of as expected. 
I mean, a lot of different things go into that uh, that line. You know, there's commercial brokerage, which could be zero or a big number. There's portfolio management, and also there's you know we take some of those broker fees right and we uh, capitalize them to our balance sheet when we securitize. That's a bit of an allocation game. Sometimes you you leave a little bit behind um, in in the income statement as opposed to capitalize it because your capitalization program is a little bit conservative. Whole bunch of issues like that, but I think you know it's pretty it's pretty well stable. It's not, not growing a lot. Uh, are you Jamie? Are you thinking they're elevated? Uh, well, you know, just compared to uh, some previous years where, you know, I look at the brokerage fee rate um, more in sort of like the, the 60 basis points range, and it's been sort of running at about the, you know, low to, low to mid-70s uh, basis points range here over the last few quarters, uh, and even last year, uh, I guess, given the, the stronger mortgage production. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, typically we pay a broker all in, including sort of, uh, you know, the delivery costs, about 1.2%. Uh, so I'm not sure what ratio you're calculating. So, uh, you know, typically this year, I think it's, you know, 1.22%, which is very similar to the last year. So maybe just the, the numbers you're using aren't uh, the right numbers to use. Okay, let's, uh, maybe we'll take this, this offline then. Um, okay, that's good for me. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn it back to Mr. Smith for closing remarks. Thanks, operator. We look forward to hosting our third quarter results in October. Thanks for taking part in our call and have a good day, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participate, participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.